Hello! Welcome to my first time. Happy June 1st. Yes, I'm Colleen Smith. I'm Mary Jo Smith. No, no relation. relation. With us as always is Ian Phone Smith, related Ooh. to me. But not to me. And we have some very awesome guests. We really do. Do you want to introduce them? Sure, should I do them all? <laughs> yeah, do them all. Okay, we have Matt Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. We have Michael Lopri. Michael Lopri. <laughs> we have Andrew Friedman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we have Jason Allen. Yeah. Hello. Why are there four guests, Colleen? Because we are not yakking. No, we don't tell stories mm-mm. tonight. Because in honor of this month's major holiday, I think it's the only holiday this month. Certainly the major Hallmark holiday. Yes. Uh, it's Father's Day. That's right. And we're not fathers. No, not at all. No. Um, it's not biologically possible. No, it isn't. So. And your father. is My father has passed. Right. And my father is dead to me. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, without further ado, we're going to move over to Andy Freedom. Andy yeah. Freedom! <laughs> Top that. Um, okay. So um, my wife, uh, Kara, and I have uh, two sons, Alistair, who is going to be three, mm-hmm. and Monty, who is one and a half. Um and they're both uh, both adopted, same birth mom, different uh, biological fathers, um, and we love our birth. We love the birth mother. We talk to her all the time. We have a great relationship with her. Uh, it was the greatest thing we ever have done in our lives. Adoption. Everybody should adopt. LA County has twenty five million kids that need homes. Adopt. Um, <laughs> uh, but th- this is uh, this is that's a whole other podcast. This is actually a different story. Um, uh, but I have to say, there's this weird feeling. I don't know if other adoptive parents feel this way. That there's this there's this extra something that I sometimes feel that I need to, as a father, um, make their lives this incredible, amazing thing. And I'm sure biological parents feel this way as too. I'm just, I'm not a biological parent, so I don't, I'm just assuming they do. Of course, there might be some that are like, take it for granted and they don't care about their kids. But I just want to make my, my kids' experience just mediocre. <laughs> Good, for Good for you. Good for you. And it's not like I go out and buy, you know, the gifts, you know, every day of the week or I don't discipline them or anything like that. But there is some weird thing that I sometimes feel like I gotta do more. I gotta do more. Like to compensate. For, yes. For their beginnings, sort of. For their beginnings, yeah. for their for their for their life, for what 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 they have. I mean, it's a unique situation, and I want to make it right. Anyway, even though it already is right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, but that's not the story. This is the story. <laughs> um, so Monty was born December second, twenty fifteen. And Alistair was a year and a half at that time. Um, and my in-laws had come in to help us. They, they, come in, they live in Maryland where we grew up. They come in twice a year. They always drive. They don't fly anymore. They make it across the country in like three days, which is insanity. Wow. Um, and, and they're amazing. And they, were, they came out to help us uh, with Alistair while we were at the hospital with the baby and all these all these things. And uh, they're like the greatest in-laws. They, they're they like the best house guests. They 
bring their own. They go to all the Costco's across the country when they, <laughs> they get all like the cheap gas and they buy stuff. And when they arrive at our house, it's like an entire supermarket. And they just move in with all this food that we That's have for awesome. two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, and they're, they're, what are like, their names? Mosky and uh, Teresa and Jim, but everybody calls them Mosky and Posky. Oh, everybody, yeah. That's what everybody calls them. The kids, the, the adults. Um, You're not Jewish at all. <laughs> <laughs> they're not Jewish. They're no, Catholic. they're not? No, they're oh, Catholic. Mosky and Posky sounds yeah. so Jewish to me. No, 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 yeah. Kara's, Kara's born raised Catholic. Oh, I take it back. Um, don't, don't ruin them. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll edit that out. <laughs> uh, so they were there. And then, on, so on the 16th, uh, a couple weeks after Monty was born, I was downstairs with Mosky Posky, Alistair, <laughs> and myself. Kara was upstairs with the baby. And I just had made a big, hot cup of tea. And I put it on the, next to the couch. And Alistair was kind of away in, in part of another room. And I went to pick up something off the floor to give to Mosky. And out of the corner of my eye, I see him bolt over to this cup of tea and pick it up. And I turn to him and I yell, you know, Alistair, no, 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 Alistair. And I think it was so hot. And it, and also he was frightened by my yelling that he spilled it down his chest. And um, started screaming. And I, I literally didn't know, I didn't know what to do. I... I grew up like having everything happen to me. I broke my arms. I was beaten up. My nose was broken. I had nose surgery. I had my appendix out. I had my gallbladder out. I had allergies. I had, I mean, everything you could think of happened to me as you a kid. You are very Jewish. <laughs> that's, that's, a Jewish part. that's a Jewish part of the story. <laughs> but never had I had like a burn. And I don't remember any of my siblings having a burn. And I, I was like, Mosky, Mosky, what do I do? And Mosky knows, you know, knows everything. Sure. And she... Yelled, cold water, get him under cold water. So I picked him up, and I, uh, I pulled him into the kitchen, and I threw him in the sink with his clothes on, and I just started drenching him in cold water. And I pulled his shirt off, <gasps> and all his skin <gasps> came off. Oh, his shirt, and he's screaming. Yeah. Are you supposed to do cold water on a, like a hot burn like that? You're supposed to do cold water. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know. And uh, luckily, that was the right, the right thing to do. But, oh, baby. And it looked like, do you remember Mork and Mindy when Mork would like dress in his, <laughs> in his, his space <laughs> outfit? Like and that upside down triangle? Yeah. Oh. That upside down triangle yeah. that he had? Yeah. That's, what it, that's what it looked like. It was like 60% of his torso <gasps> oh, was pulled off. And it was horrible. So I was like, Kara, we, Kara came rushing down. She, she, you know, she, she had the baby. She said, what's going on? Alice was screaming. I said, we got to go to the hospital. And I thought, oh, there's a, there's a, Urgent care down the street, like three minutes away. Let's throw him in the car, go to the urgent care. Mosky and Posky are watching the baby, and we get in the car. We can't strap him in because right. you know because he's yeah. burned. He has no shirt on. We get there. I had called ahead. I said, "Do you guys do burns?" Yeah, we do burns. Come in. We came into the clinic, and the woman at the counter had this expression of like the shock on her face. Mm. And she said, let me get the doctor. And she ran back and got the doctor. And he came out. And immediately was like, you have to go to Children's Hospital right oh now. Oh, my gosh. Like, we don't do this. Um, 
<laughs> and so you don't want the doctor saying we don't. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, well, also, <laughs> it's like, um, no, keep driving. Right, like, keep driving. Get back. Keep driving. And I always told Kara, like, okay, if anything happens to me or you or the kids, Cedar Sinai. Like, we're closer to Cedar Sinai. It's a great hospital. We'll go there. Our pediatrician's out of Cedars, and uh, and this guy said, go to go to Children's. And I thought, all right, shit, we'll go to Children's. This is what he said, and. I have to say, I don't know if you guys saw the Jimmy Kimmel thing, yes. the monologue yeah. about his kid. And I don't know if you guys have ever been to Children's Hospital. Yes. It is the greatest yes. hospital yes. I've ever been to. It's unbelievable. We came in, and four nurses were on him immediately, and they whisked him into a room, and they got a doctor in there in like 30 seconds, and they were like, he has, he has to go on morphine right now, which was like oh, horrible. And I'm crying, and I'm going into the hallway so he doesn't see me crying because I don't want to upset him. And I'm feeling like, you know, Jesus Christ, we adopted this kid. And like, this is, I'm not living up to this fatherhood thing. Um, and he, yeah, they strap his arm down because he's a kid, and they put the IV in, and they give him morphine. And they're like, we have to wait a little while for him to calm down before we can clean the burn. So we wait. And Alistair is this, he is so... He's so stoic and strong. Like, all his vaccinations, he never cried. He always, he got ringworm, and we had to give him oral medication, and he had to get blood tests to make sure his kidneys were okay, and he watched them take his blood. He never cried. So him crying with this burn, like, I knew it was killing him. So they come in. This other doctor comes in and cleans him, and he was great. And they wrap, they put this ointment on, and they wrap him up, and it's like, I don't know, it's like 8 o'clock at this point. And, and they say, and they said, um, tomorrow morning when you wake up in the morning, you have to go to USC Burn Center. Jesus. Because this is all we can do here. And I'm like, oh, my God. So we get up in the morning, and I call the, our pediatrician, and I call my brother, who's a doctor in Augusta. And my brother s said, let me call this guy. There's a burn clinic in Augusta, which is actually the best clinic in the country oh, wow. it's like I know a doctor there let me talk to him and then our and our pediatrician called me back he said USC is great go to USC my brother called back said go to USC it's amazing so we go and USC uh is burn centers connected to LA County yes. Hospital which we've ever been to <laughs> it's a county hospital and it's like kind of shitty it's as and bad it's, as you think it is it's as bad as you think yeah. it is yeah and it's and I walk in and I'm like oh my god this is where we're going but of course, they take you to the burn center, which is this brand new modern building all of glass that's part of USC, whatever. We go in, and uh, the waiting in this room with all these people that have been burned, kids and adults, and like their faces are look horrible, and little kids, and it is so... Uh, depressing and sad and like and I kept thinking like oh my you know Alistair's gonna have this horrible scar his whole life you know but at least he can wear a shirt I guess but these other people it just was really eye-opening I'd never been to a place like this before <clears throat> they're all getting treated and um ironically there was a girl there with her mom who had been who had burned her chest and her leg exactly like Alistair and she had been at Children's Hospital the night 
before when we were there. It happened at the exact same time. And she had spilled a cup of noodles mm. on her. But her mom uh, didn't know what to do. Like, I didn't know what to do, but didn't have Mosky there to say, throw water on him. She put mayonnaise oh. all over her oh. daughter's chest, and they had to... Is that an infection or something? They had to, like, put her, da- put her down. They had to put her to sleep and <laughs> scrape off oh. the mayonnaise because it, it had hardened. It had cooked. Like yeah, I think that's her. the thing about butter. It retains heat. It retains heat. the yeah. heat. Yeah, it's actually the right. worst thing to do. Right. But mm. is that, do people, is that like a myth that you should do that? I think it's something yeah. you can read online, like they what say, to do. Uh, like put butter on a... Crisco, a butter, yeah. mayonnaise. We're, we're going to put up a link on the, this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that was horrible. So we go into the room and the, the doctor was very blasé. You know, like she'd seen 7,000 <laughs> times and she was like, don't worry. And I had a million questions and she's like, don't worry, don't worry. But I didn't know what that really meant. So, um, but don't worry. Yeah. Right. Don't worry. It's just going to be a little scar. Don't worry. It'll be a big scar, but it'll right. be fine. <clears throat> so USC Medical uh, Burn Center was using this stuff that I found out not a lot of hospitals were, were using yet. And now a lot of places are using this thing called um, me- uh, Mepilex, which is um, it's a foam pad that is made of silicone and uh, silver. And they literally just cut it. They put it on his torso and they wrap him. There's no medicine. There's no ointment. Nothing. And the silver fights off infection and it's antimicrobial. And he wore, he had to go every week for seven weeks and get a new pad put on and it absorbs the drainage and blah, 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 blah. And that was it? That was the treatment? That was the treatment. And every week we went in and it looked a little bit better and the next week a little bit better. And now... Uh, it's like you'd look at him and you'd never... He has no burn. Right. He has no scar, wow. no wow. pulled skin, nothing. It was unbelievable. So that was 2015? Yeah. That was 2015, yeah. Okay. Wow. Mm. <sighs> yeah. Oh. So that's <laughs> the end of the story. It's a lot rough. It was rough, but it... How was it, he, like... With what was going on, like the the bandages, like how was he during the process? Was he? He was great. I mean, after they gave him that morphine and dressed him the very first time, every time, and I have video of him. Every time we went in, he would just sit there. They'd take this thing off. They'd clean him. You know, and it's so. I have a picture I was going to show, but I know this is a. Podcast. He was one and a half. <laughs> one he was happened. one and a half. Wow. Yeah, and he'll have probably no memory of it, but. Um, but it, it was fatherhood in a encapsulated, yeah. Totally. Yeah, there's nobody else to like pass it off to. It's like a hundred percent your responsibility. Yeah, and it, yeah, and it was like that that cup of tea. And you had a new baby, at the time too, right? Right. We had a new baby, like, at the which time. is like, completely overwhelming. Right. So, and thank that. God my in-laws were there for as many weeks as they were, so we could, so we could take him to these. You know, doctor visits. And they stayed the whole time. They stayed. I think they were gone like the last couple weeks that he had to go. Right. Yeah. Wow. Maybe you could recommend. I assume you now have a favorite brand of childproof <laughs> mug. <laughs> really good yeah, totally. Locking lid. There's right. just no tea for the rest of it. <laughs> I cut out tea. tea. Nothing. Nice tea. I don't drink anything out of a mug anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything's like 
four, six feet up, <laughs> all beverages are six feet high. It's a liquid-free house from now on. <laughs> are, are you super vigilant now since then about, I guess, not even just like hot liquids and stuff, but other things since then? You mean like baby proofing? Yeah, yeah, or just worrying about like, oh, this might hurt them, or I can't leave this out, or yeah, I think I think so. I mean, we after Monty was born, we had a baby proofing company come into the house because we have a second floor with a it's an old home and the the um, banisters are like two and a half feet or something ridiculous Um, from nineteen twelve. Yeah, not to code. So we had some plexiglass put up so they wouldn't. So yes. We we did take steps to make stuff safer in the home. So your house yeah. is like a museum. Like if someone wanted to observe you, with the flexible right. <laughs> <laughs> ropes. Right. <laughs> Everything's on you know closed uh, circuit TV. You can watch video out front of the porch of what's happening inside. You have to put those booties on. Sit, walk through the house. Right. right. <laughs> Andrew, you're just like full of just guilt. After that, in ways where you blaming yourself and stuff, yeah, not completely. that you should have been, but like, you I would come home it, and right? just cr- I was crying all the time, and and my in laws would be sitting in the we'd be in the family room, and I would just start crying because oh. I felt so horrible yeah. about about it, and uh, you know, and they've they have six, seven, eight, nine, ten grandchildren, and they raised three kids, and it's like they've been through tons of things and. You know, they were always very comforting, and it'll be fine. And yeah, yeah. Classic but so Posky much game, Posky. <laughs> Classic, <laughs> Classic them. Yay! Yay. Wow. Whew. Wow. That's a pretty good one. It's a pretty depressing one yeah, to start yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, you know, I didn't find that depressing. I just found that like really real. Like I really appreciate that you shared it, and you know, like I mean, I don't have kids, but I have ten nieces and nephews, and I've certainly been around when they've been hurt or you know like felt responsible because I left something out or like you know and had the or scared the shit out of them yelling no and that's when they get hurt right you yell no and their reaction is so big if I kept my mouth shut they might have been fine so (laughs) right I get it right yeah wow all right Jason Allen is our next uh storyteller Jason next dad in line yeah you're a Um, dad yeah I'm very proud dad uh and and this dad story, this is the this is the story of my first time uh, trying to be an adoptive dad, um, and th- this is actually this I haven't told this story as it as it is as a whole, um, and because it is ongoing, it, it's I'm in it. I'm still currently in this story. Um, my wife and I uh, have been doing this for three years, trying to go through the foster adoption process. Um, so this story is very much made up of some still fresh and open wounds. Uh, so um, it was when we were dating and things were starting to get serious that my wife let me know that um, it should always felt called to to adopt, and um, that didn't scare me away. And we uh, we got married. We decided to have a, a biological child first, um, and so uh, our four year old son George is our biological son, a, a fantastic brilliant little boy and a and adorable uh, an amazing ballet dancer oh yeah an avid nutcracker fan (laughs) watcher listener recreator and so the three of us are a foster family that's how we had to learn how to talk to george about it 
because you got to prepare him for the ups and downs um, and, and explain it in a way that, uh, that, you know, he was one and a half, two years old when we started filling out the paperwork. And so what George understood was that we are a foster family, him included, and it's important that he know that he's part of us, the forever family, right. that are fostering babies that we hope to make part of our forever family, but, but in the meantime, we're really just taking care of these babies until their families are ready to take them back. That's the way that you prepare him. And, and so he understood that, and, and it was a long process of even just beginning, just certifying. So these social workers coming to our house for interviews and inspections, and um, we went through an agency, which um, if you're doing the foster adoption process, I cannot emphasize more strongly, you should do it through an agency so that it's not just you and LA's DCFS, which is the largest child welfare bureaucracy in the country and probably therefore the world. Um, it covers not just L.A. City, but L.A. County, which is, you could drive for hours and still be in L.A. County. So thousands and thousands of people in office. It's just overburdened, underpaid, underfunded, under-resourced bureaucracy. Um, It it has felt like entrusting the most intimate and important part of your life of building your family to the DMV Um, (laughs) with, you know, all of the delaying and and mishandling of paperwork and, and... just people disappearing and suddenly there's a new social worker on your case and oh everything they knew about your case is gone now okay um and so we signed up with a great agency that i also can't recommend more highly called extraordinary families um we'll put a link in the show notes am i authorized to say that (laughs) good uh and so um we signed up with them and went through the whole paperwork and interviews and everything and eventually um it began with the phone calls which it's shocking how much it feels like a radio contest because (laughs) you get these phone calls where they quickly tell you there's a child just been removed from their family we had signed up for a a baby so they said a baby still in the hospital they need somewhere to bring the child after the hospital because for whatever reason the birth family can't blah 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 they tell you the details here's the health issues here's the situation with other birth relatives that may come into play or may not and we had also signed up not just for a baby but a um, low risk adoption situation because we didn't want to put our biological son through separation if possible we want to decrease the risk that the child's going to be taken so go for a situation right, where it looks like adoption might think that that was going to happen to him it's that's another big thing to constantly have to remind him and you're they tell forever, you even forever. if you think they understand it the first time you tell them you got to keep reminding them the judge the social worker is never going to come and take you away that's not the situation you're in you got to keep reminding them of that um, and so you get these phone calls telling you the situation, and you have minutes right. to confer with your partner, if you have a partner. There's a lot of single parents doing it too, um, and and make that decision. Call the agency back and hope that they then call the county back in enough time that they haven't reached one of the other many families they're calling at the same time, because wow. they need to get this child to a home. They're not trying to make you feel good and like give you an hour right. or two to think about it. By the end of the day, this child needs to be in a home with a bed. Yeah, and so. The first few phone calls are the first heartbreaks of this process because we had several where we said yes and didn't get call the call in in time or another family that had been called was a more perfect match for whatever the health issue was or whatever the situation was. And so, you know, you, you get that phone call, you say yes, and then you start picturing your life with this child and then you get the call back, sorry, we didn't, it's not, not happening. And that was just... <clears throat> an appetizer for the, the situations that we're going to then... So eventually we got the call for the little girl, and we said yes, and apparently we said yes in time. 
And then a social worker just showed up with a little baby carrier, three-day-old little girl. Mm. And we named her. We decided to give her a name, even though it wouldn't be her name until legally until the adoption went through. We were like, well, we're going to call her this from the beginning. Named her after my uh, late grandmother, Helen. We named her Helena. And so little Helena, uh, three days old, and we were told that it looks good, uh, low risk for, for, you know, for being reunited with the birth family mm-hmm. because... Um, the only viable relative seems to be the grandmother, but has been disqualified already because she's already taken custody of the eight previous siblings oh, good Lord. from the same birth mother. Mm-hmm. And they said, so not going to happen. Great. So here's little Helena, um, a colicky baby, which mm-hmm. if you've never had one uh, around, she seems to just be in inexplicable physical discomfort all the time. Um, and so the only thing that soothed her to some degree was to be in a, a baby carrier strapped to your chest. And I was working full time with you, Mary Jo, and at the time. And my wife then had to keep her strapped to her belly for hours and hours, five days a week, while also taking care of a one and a half, two year old little George. Um, an exhausting, exhausting experience on top of the fact that one day we get the call, a month has gone by, grandma's actually been showing up at, at the office and um, making calls, and it turns out there's been a mistake. The person who told us on day one that grandma's been disqualified wasn't fully informed, mm-hmm. um, not disqualified legally, but just everyone sort of thought, well, who would give this another child to this fam? Not legally disqualified, and had actually shown up at court and cried in front of the judge, and the judge apparently felt some sympathy for her, and I said, wait a second, court? When there was court? Why didn't we know there was court? And they're like, well, you're the foster family. You're not actually a party to the case. You're kind of seen as a, a child care resource of the county. And it's all about unification, right? They that is the goal. Yeah, yeah, that's the goal of the system is to explore every possible viable person to reunite this child with their birth family. And that's right. a good thing. And yeah. if there is a viable person, then that's good. Um, you know, we came into this process looking to adopt a child, but of course, if the child could be with a healthy, safe birth family, then, then they should. Um, we did not feel that this was a good life for her, but that's not for us to choose. If she should go live in the care of an older, you know, grandmother who's taking care of eight other children, oh. ranging from like three to 13. Oh. Um, but not our call. And so we would just get these phone calls that, yep, she's making progress. And the judge is actually pursuing her. And she keeps showing up to court. And I keep saying, can someone tell me about court? I want to at least go there and witness if I can't do anything. And then one day we got the call that, um, in fact, she had been awarded custody. And um, there would be a social worker coming to our house to take Helena. How long Um, did you have We had her for three months total. um, But three months with a baby strapped to your chest feels like three years. And she felt like our daughter at that point. Um, and in fact, the call that came in was not, they're coming tomorrow to get her. The social worker who's going to come get Helena is actually on jury duty right now, and there's nobody else available, so it could be a week, week and a half. Oh, my God. Okay, you know, we love her, but if she has somewhere to go, we're going to need to move on, and she's going to want to, we want her to get to know her. And so there was this excruciating week and a half that I won't go into, but one day someone came and took the girl that we thought was our daughter from us uh. and left us bawling in our uh. living room with uh, and one of our beautiful 
brilliant agency social workers there to at least take care of George and play with him for a little while as he barely understood what was, you know, exactly happening that day. Um, and so we took a couple of months off. You know, we, we were on hold as far as the agency was concerned, and that's, that's, that's part of their process. They understand that. And um, eventually we got to a point where we said, okay, we're going to sign back up to be on this list because if we don't jump back in now, we're going to talk ourselves out of it. And we called them up and we said, one more. We're going to do this one more time. We're not going to put George through more than one more of these, and if we don't get to keep this next kid, then that'll be our fate, and we, we will resign ourselves to that. Um, and so the call started coming in, and there were some almosts and some no's and some, and eventually uh, a little boy. Uh, and interestingly, coincidentally enough, um, he was three months old, and that's oh. exactly the age at which Helena left us. So there was this interesting continuity that kind of blew our minds of like okay yeah wait we know what to do here he's three months old okay that means about this much formula go to bed at this time and we were also told this looks really good for adoption um, because uh, the it seems like the birth mom has already been ruled out as a viable option so it doesn't seem like they're going to pursue her and the only pickup is that he does have an older sibling who was already adopted that county hasn't been able to track down that adoptive family. They would have first legal rights to adopt him, but so but we're gonna find out next week. So this may be a few days. And so we thought, okay, he sounds perfect and great and like a good match for us. And if it ends up being that we're taking care of him for a weekend, then that'll be fine. And we won't count that as our one. <laughs> but but fine, we'll know next week. Well, ne- next week they still couldn't get in touch. And then the week after that, we couldn't get in touch. They wouldn't get anybody on the phone. So a few weeks go by, and we're starting to grow attached to the boys, you'd understand. And finally the call comes in. They've reached the sibling's adoptive family, and they cannot take another child. Great. We're in the clear. And so the weeks start to go by. Paperwork starts to get filled out, and weeks turn into months. And he rolls over for the first time, and he starts to maybe try to crawl, and he's making sounds that sound like he's talking, and George is falling in love with his baby, and... Wants, and George was baby crazy before, and George was a little boy <laughs> who wanted a baby doll and his own baby carrier, and so having Cameron on his lap was just the, lit up his life. And um, then the phone call comes in. There's, uh, there's an aunt. Now, this time around, I was finding out about court. I was not letting them get away with not telling me about court. I was showing up to every hearing, which, again, if you're going through this, I can't recommend enough, because you're going to catch the mistakes that no one else is as invested in catching. There are people who are there to be his advocate, but no one knows as much about your child as you do, and no one cares 24 hours a day only about this child, as you know, they have 300 children on their caseload, these, some of these attorneys that we met. Jeez. And so this <clears throat> aunt was brought into the situation, um, and we were told that the court was actually considering giving custody. We've had him now for months, and he feels like our son. And the court is moving forward. And one day we get the call that um, actually the court is ordering visitations, which is a big step towards reunification. We're going to now have to bring him in for visits at a social worker's office. My wife had to put him in a room with some toys and our social worker, thank goodness, and this aunt who was just kind of cold and quiet and didn't even really seem to make, didn't know how to make any attempt to like do anything with him. And my and wife. She didn't have kids of her own. The aunt. She had already raised children, oh, so she's adult older. children. Now mm-hmm. she's an older woman and did not seem 
particularly invested and we noticed that and it was strange there was something that we wanted to find out more about and um, this first visit traumatized Cameron he was just at the door banging and screaming oh, oh. Baby. mommy just left the room we, we, had, to, we had to leave the room it's required and for like 45 minutes he's left screaming and she couldn't comfort him she didn't know how and, and he wasn't going to and it took a couple of weeks for him to come back to being himself um and we only fortunately had to do that twice. So horribly enough, we had to do that again for another visit. But fortunately, during that visit, our amazing social workers um, at the agency were able to have a conversation with her and sort of get to the bottom of what this thing was that we weren't getting from her. And she admitted, I'm really, I'm, I wasn't planning on having a baby at my age. Um, I'm not in a great situation to be raising a baby suddenly. I, but my niece asked me to do this, and I promised her I would fight for him. And I'm, I will, I'll fight for him. But, um, And the quote that she said was, but it's in God's hands. And what we came to find out that was frustrating was she was going to drag this out as long as she could so that her niece would see her as fighting and keeping her promise, but so that the system would eventually give up on her. And her answer, whenever the social workers would press her, her answer was always, it's in God's hands. And that would just burn us up because no it's, it's actually in your hands you yeah. just have to fill out that other paper and you just have to make that phone call and show up at this office and you're not doing these things you're doing the bare minimum so that you and eventually she timed out the situation timed out the system so that she was no longer being considered and um we were breathed a sigh of relief that um she she told us i want to stay in his life and will you send us pictures of him and i will stop pursuing him and Okay, so the months kept going and he started talking and he started calling us mommy and daddy and he's walking and he's climbing up everything he can climb and he's our sweet little boy. And um, I got the call to, uh, to, to come and be on this podcast and uh, crazily enough, uh, last night at 10 p.m., I got an email from an attorney uh, with an attachment that is the last form that ever has to get filled out. This is the form that requests a hearing that is the end. So once this form gets submitted, we get a court date, we go and we show up. It's not a court date where anything has to be decided. It's already decided. We just have to sign. And apparently you go and you uh, you take a picture with the judge. Right. And it's the mm-hmm. best day of the judge's yeah. job because the rest of their days, we can believe, right. in the family court yeah. system is not such a, a happy job. Um, and it was just a couple of days ago, actually, that George was in the middle of playing and dancing, and um, he stopped kind of randomly and, and said to us, he said to my wife, Mommy, you know, when I was in your belly, um, I already knew that Cameron was coming, and I knew how cute he was going to be. And I immediately wrote that down, because I wanted to be able to tell him that and remind them all. And But I knew exactly how he felt, because uh, from the moment that he came home to us, you know, we'll always love Helena, but the moment that Cameron came home, there was something that he looked and felt and even smelled like my son. And his, his, he looks different than us, but he looks exactly like my son. And so this is the story of the, the wow. first te- attempt to be a foster adoptive wow. father. <laughs> and oh. the last time I was <laughs> <laughs> we, we are done. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Congrats, man. Thank you. So. Wow. That's, That's so intense. We we went through the the classes, the twenty five yeah. hours of foster yeah. classes. Did you CPR no. training? Mm-hmm. Yeah, home studies and all that. Yeah. Our our uh, 
domestic adoption went came through before we went into foster. Yeah, adoption. can I ask? Sorry, to foster adopt, it seems like the chance that they might be able to you have the kid, but then it might go back to that family. Why not just adopt straight out instead of doing the fostering? Cause yeah, that's you know that's the decision that, that, that really every hard. family makes when going into it. There's a few different routes you could go. You could yeah. go private adoption where you meet the the parent by you know biological parent and they know that they're not going to be able to take care of the child beforehand and form a relationship with them. There's international adoption and there's all different ways to do it. And we just felt really compelled, um, and and new fam- a couple families who had done it, and that's one big factor. You you see it happening, and you know that there's a lot of children who need a family, and um, we felt like we were capable of doing it, and wanted to to help a child, and knowing that if uh, was they weren't going to stay with us, at least maybe we could be a safe, good place for them to be for yeah. a time. Right. So and I think I said twenty five million. I think there's twenty five thousand. Oh yeah. In LA County, right? I don't know the numbers. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what number you said, but either way, it's too it's many. Crazy. It's, yeah. Yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Huge, and it happens on a day's notice. They. Yeah. You don't get to plan which yeah. child and when because, you know, we we had a social worker who her former job before working at our agency was she was the one in in another state. She was the one who would show up with the cops when the cops were knocking down the door of who knows what, a crack house or whatever. She was the one that would run in and grab the child and hold the child back as the parents were arrested. And and I said, how did you live with yourself, with the sounds and the sights that you right. were talking? She said, I had to tell myself that I was a superhero, that I was flying in and, mm. and rescuing these children because otherwise I felt like a villain. Everybody in that place hated me. Right. I was ripping these children away from their homes. The child hated me. The parents hated me. But somebody has to do that. And so... so it's. I think it's so brave because it it definitely is a weird situation of like, because I don't think they have orphanages anymore. No, 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 they, they do not. And so you they have don't the, have orphanages anymore. No, mm-hmm. not in America. And so the idea is like, you kind of if a, if a mom or a dad could get their life together or a family member could get their life together if they could be reunited with mm-hmm. their eight other siblings, you're like, that may be the best scenario. Right. Yeah. But it's also. There's that those three months or those three years where someone has to love them, and yeah. so to make that choice to be like, I'm opening myself up to the idea that I'm going to give my heart to somebody, and but maybe the best situation for them is that I love them and let them go. Like, yeah. I mean, that's so and brave. Where you, and where do you draw yeah. the line between the the benefits of being reunited with a birth family, which there are real benefits of being raised in your birth family? And the line of it taking a certain amount of time for that to be possible, and how much time is too much time to where they're now being torn away from another yeah. family that was maybe the only family they ever really knew, and and where's which trauma is the better trauma to choose? Right. You know, yeah, it's right. a and there are families that just foster; they're not interested yes, in, in adopting. adoption. Yes, but it's actually fewer and fewer, and discouraged okay. in general by the system. That's needed sometimes. There's cases where they know, okay. The aunt is flying in from another state and can't be here for another month because she's building a baby room in the home, and so or even that's just two days. It right. takes them two days to get here. Where are we going to put this and baby for forty-eight yeah. hours? Yeah, right. and so thank God there are some people who are willing to sign up, knowing that's what mm-hmm. they're going to do. But one great thing about California, specifically in LA County system, is that they you you for the most part, unless you're signing up for that specific job, if you're a foster family, you go into it agreeing that should reunification with the birth family turn out to not be an option for this child, you agree you will adopt that child. Oh. That minimizes the number of homes that the foster children need to right. be bounced Child around from. Right. So yeah. they, they, yeah, they, they right. figured that part out. And uh, other states, you hear horror stories where they haven't figured that out. And, 
and uh, in other states where we, we know some people who are involved in the real pref the the real focus is on the birth family's rights which has its place but often to the detriment of the child and so how many chances should a person be given to get their child back and then screw up again and put this child in dangerous and traumatic situations and mm -hmm. fortunately LA and California seem to not be doing that is there a time limit to how long yeah, they there, have the yeah there's there's not a legal time limit there's guidelines but it's the judge gets to decide if this part of the process is taking too long or not and then put an end to that. So, but they, there's a general guideline that it, it shouldn't take more than two years, which is a long time. Yeah. It shouldn't take more than two years for a child to be uh, in a permanent home, one way yeah. or the other. Well, I'm so... I mean, knock on wood, you still have that form, right? It's Yeah, the form has been sent back immediately. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and, yeah, well, so. I remember the last time I spoke to you, you had just gotten the information that the aunt was sort of like I don't really want to do this I just feel like I'm supposed like I'm right. felt guilted into it right but um, at the same time you know one of the things that we are glad about is not every child gets to have this where we get to tell him when we explain his story to him that they fought for you they yeah. they tried they schemed yeah. they tried they fought you were wanted right. and that's a benefit that not every child you know who goes through this has and we want him to be able to know that and you know, the experts tell us that that's a, that's a good thing for him to hear. Yeah. God, I'm so in love with all of you guys right now. <laughs> <sighs> all right. Wow. Mike with Preet, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, well, you know, since you were talking about, like, first, right? Yeah. First. So I was just thinking about, like, when we, I knew I was we were having our daughter, was all that stuff that you... Like, I just got obsessed with doing it right, you right, know? Sure. So, you know, I, got, <laughs> I got all these books and was just, like, reading like yeah. crazy and highlighting. I did that. So, um, sticky notes yeah, Jen, that. my wife just was like, you should just look through this. And, like, I had, like, you literally, like, tell, things dog-eared. Tell, tell the listeners what you're Oh, this, So, this, this book is called The Expectant Father. I, I had that book. <laughs> and, um, so, and the, but then the, I read this, and then and also there's that. And it's got a hundred post-its sticking yeah. up. Well, I just put yeah. this in today. Oh, Because okay. like, um, I was like, oh, these pages are dog-eared. Like, sure. I dog-eared them back then. I was like, oh. But then the other book is, what's the one, um, What to Expect When You're Expecting, yeah, which is right. so thick. <laughs> and it's just like, and I was like, like I just got way too far into like, yeah. this is how you should, it says this is how you should do this. Right. So there's stuff Rigid. like, yeah, there were, I remember there were things like, um, you know, they sort of warn you about pacifiers and stuff. <laughs> you know, like you should, don't let the... Don't let the baby get too into the pacifier because they'll become like too addicted to it and yeah, there'll be a problem getting <laughs> away. So I remember like, like really almost being like like a Nazi about like, oh no, don't give her that. Don't give her the pacifier. Oh, God damn it. But, and so anyway, this book, it was like written, and I remember reading this at the time. And even at the time, I was like, yeah, I think this guy, this is, might be a little much, but there's this one line in it where the guy says, uh, he's like, uh, I still have the white bathrobe I was wearing the morning my wife and I found out we were pregnant the first time. What? And I was just like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to save the clothes. <laughs> but So this, this, this guy's a little more groovy. But uh, there was like stuff in here. I was like, what did I have? Oh, this, there's like this thing on sympathetic pregnancy. <laughs> Go through this. But according to this book, 90% of men experience, it's called... Uh, COVID. Do you guys remember any reading about COVID? Physical symptoms where you, oh, right. you have the same symptoms yeah, as right. the wife. And he says 90% of men 
go through this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. <laughs> that would mean we should know some of those people. <laughs> <laughs> Don't remember never hear right, that. Yeah. But anyway, I just had dog-eared a bunch of stuff. And I know one other thing, I was like, there's like birth plans, yeah. you know. And, and in one of them here, it says, uh, for you, the dad, among other things, comfortable clothes like to bring to the hospital. One is a swimsuit that you might want you might want to get into the shower with your partner and the morning nurse might be surprised at the sight of a naked man. So what? I was like, wait, like get in the shower with her while she's in the middle of late like I don't understand. Anyway. But anyway, yeah, so I was like, I remember also like so wanting to like do it right and like fucking baby proofing the house yeah. like crazy. I remember the baby seat. You you can't leave the hospital mm-hmm. legally. You have to have a baby seat, right? And I remember uh, like getting one. You know, it's, it's a special like infant seat. And there's like directions like. And I had this old jeep, and so it didn't have like the sort of normal things that you're supposed to stress. So I had to like. Oh, because you were like, like that vintage. Yeah, that old like wagon here. Yeah. And uh, you know, most cars have these like. Um, latches. Yeah, kind of latches. clips and latches and stuff. And I remember in the directions, it was like, this, this can be dangerous <laughs> if it's, it needs to be locked down <laughs> like, and not move. So I remember being in my wagon here and just like, like for like half a day, like sweating this thing out to make sure it would move. And I was so paranoid that I didn't do it right that there are these cops that have like a side business where they'll come to your house and like put, a, put the seat yeah, down. Right. So yeah, we had them come out. Then <laughs> uh. And I think I was at home, but Jen later was like, yeah, they were like trying to move the seat. They were like, this this thing, we, we couldn't get this thing. <laughs> so I was like so paranoid about doing stuff wrong. And one other thing, too, is remember, do you, like you were talking about your, what was her name, Helena, was colicky. Mm-hmm. And Lucy cried a lot. Did, did you guys ever get the Happiest Baby videos? Yes. yes. Remember that? Oh, did no, you ever try that? Yeah, we we never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, we, we did. tried it. That, yeah. saved, that saved our ass. Yep. Yeah, but again, I was like, we have yeah. to. Five and it's this, this step when this? you have an infant. All right, so yeah. it's like this weird... This guy's like yeah. the baby whisperer with like infants. Like if your baby is like a crier, he's got this whole weird he's technique like to Hills. get them to stop. Yes. Yeah, yes. he's in Santa Monica. Santa Monica. So it's this thing for infants where you're supposed to like replicate the conditions of the womb because the baby's in there and they're hearing like the swooshing sounds of like the mommy's body and they're all like tucked <laughs> in and warm. And so like when they come out into the world, they're like... They're so loose that it freaks them out, and so they cry. So it's like this whole thing where you like wrap them up like super tight, like in a swaddle. Mm-hmm. Then you this thing where you like they're they're like lying across your arm <laughs> yeah. to get them on their side, and then you do like you sort of jiggle them because that like the, when the, the mother moves around, and then you like go <laughs> in their ear, super loud. and so there's super these, loud. yeah, super really loud. loud to sound and like. And so a there's videos of this guy. You buy the video, and he's got this. These infants, and when they're like, and he just does it, and they're just like, boom, like, ow. They just go into like a comb. They just kind of freeze, and you're like, buy this video. I was like, all about, like, we got to do these steps perfectly. It's like those goats that just fall over. Yes. And you see (laughs) these exhausted parents, like, having a religious experience, like, you did it. (laughs) (laughs) And listen, like, like you were saying, if your wife, and Jen had Lucy on her constantly, too, I'd come home and she'd just be decimated just like <laughs> exhausted and so anyway you were like that thing any little thing to help you right but anyway i remember like being like we got to do this right you know and, like it's not tight enough how to do it yeah like totally get his arm out get like, in there swaddling the, the right, right way did it work did you yes. do it and it worked it, totally it did worked. work totally uh, enough i remember <laughs> we even like the, we instead of like 
shushing her, I'd just turn a hair dryer on in the room because <laughs> those were like loud and noise machines. Yeah. Anyway, so those are, I don't really have many stories, but I just remember <laughs> being way too like, yeah, like wrapped up and like getting it right. Yeah. Well, what was yeah. it like, like putting her in the car in that car seat and like getting like what was that drive home? Oh, like fucking five miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah. Because they're just these like, you just. You know, you don't know what you're doing, Mm-mm. and they're so fragile yeah. and tiny and, like, everything. Like, yeah, it was just... Yeah, it's bumped up. Yeah. The world's out there. Yeah, and you, I think you realize <laughs> later that you, you need to just trust yourself more, and it's all... You kind of get to know your kid, and some things work and some things don't. But, uh, yeah, if I had to go back a second time, you know, I'd be way more relaxed about it, but... yeah. I don't know if you guys have that same experience. Are you, are you going back well, a second time? No. How old is Lucy? In fact, I'm thinking of doing that thing where I can threaten, like a social worker might take you back. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> but. <laughs> I tried to read, what's that? Big, big Dr. Uh, Dr. Sears. Spock? Dr. Spock. Dr. Spock. Dr. Sears. Oh, Dr. Oh, Sears. That is Dr. Sears. Sears. It's like. Thousand pages. I tried to read it before the baby yeah. was born, like a week before. Oh, a thousand <laughs> pages. You're cramming for father that one from cover to cover. Is that like supposed no, to be like, like a reference? Age nine, like, right? Like, like, I get it all oh, like, and the only other thing is too is like, you, I, we had to get. This is I just I found this list in this book of all the shit I that we had to get. There was so much <laughs> yes. stuff that you have to get, and yeah. that only lasts. For like the first year, and it's expensive, and you know it's crazy, like baby wipe warmers and uh, changing tables, and yeah. yeah, I mean it's you probably don't need eighty percent of it. I know your wife. Yeah, baby you wipe warmer. Yeah, like because yeah. like when you change their diaper in the middle of the night, they're half asleep. Yeah, yeah. and so and like if you put like a ass. cold wipe on them, it's gonna It'll wake scream, them up. Yeah. And, you know, like it's like this like slap. So there's a warmer that. You keep the little wet naps in, and it keeps them warm. And right. so that when you change them, it's I, not like soothing. this. Yeah. I don't know how much of my personality has to do with trauma or just who I am. Um, but <laughs> I know my mother, who is a maternity nurse, like birthed thousands of babies, um, and had four babies. But she would always say, my father was better with us when we were babies than she was. Uh-huh. And she wow. was better with us when we were older. <clears throat> The idea of something like that, like a uh, a wet, like it has to be warm. I I know my father. I mean, I was the third kid, but I know my father, and I know it would have been like, wipe it, it's fine. Yeah, just (laughs) let it sleep it out. Yeah, you know, like up in your hand. It was just (laughs) he was such a like no nonsense guy, which I think my mom thought like that works really well with babies because they sense your primal dominance. They they you can't manipulate. (laughs) <laughs> but I have no idea if that's true. Maybe half of my personality flaws have to do with that. The temperature of the wipes that we're using. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't, you know, obviously I don't, I don't have children of my own, but there's that thing where you, when you were talking about like, they're so fragile and they're so little, like I've certainly taken care of my nieces and nephews when they were hours or days old for, you mm-hmm. know, a little bit of time. And, and all you can think about is like, I have to keep this thing alive. Exactly. When we, when you bring home that, suddenly you're like, because you're in the hospital for however many days, and there's all this run up, 
to getting stuff ready, you know, showers or whatever. Like, you have to get shit. And then finally, the birth is this whole semi-traumatic experience, and it's just a thing. And then finally, all that chaos, well, really, a new chaos starts, but it's all over, and then suddenly it's just you and your wife or your partner or just you and the baby, and it's just like, holy fuck, it's like, Nobody is like watching us. Right. There's this right. feeling of like, yeah. why are the grown-ups letting me do this? Exactly. <laughs> you're like, you you're letting us oh, take us home. Fuck, really? Like I'm gonna leave with my kid now? Don't let me. <laughs> right. It's weird. I remember we got home from the hospital with our first son, and we had a like a sleeper, like a thing next. A to side the, sleeper. A side sleeper didn't next work. to the bed. Had that didn't work. <laughs> we turned it. We came home and we put him in. We were so tired. We put him in this. The one that's like attaches to the mattress. Yeah, it's like stood, stood yeah. next it's to it. It's got one yeah. open side, right? right? Yeah. And we'll... Yes, yes. And we put him in there, and we just didn't know what to do. And we were like, all right, good night. You're both just like, 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 the basic is to keep them alive. Right. And, you know, that means, you don't know what that means. Like, right. you don't fucking know if they're like, oh my God, why are they crying? Is it just because they're hungry? Are they sick? Like, take their temperature. Like, all this stuff is just, yeah. it can be fucking stressful if you're like me. <laughs> yeah. But I think like everybody, I mean, I again, like, I would imagine you've all had those moments of like, are they breathing? Are they yeah. So yeah. not to gender it up, but you're our first father to speak of a daughter mm-hmm. having a daughter. How old is she now? Twelve. Is there, are you hitting any like I have a daughter, I'm a father things? What do you? What are those to you? <laughs> I'd. Uh... I guess I would like the. I, I didn't have any kind of weird. I think gendery relationship with my parents except for when I got a bra and I got my period for the first time, and uh-huh. then it was definitely like, don't tell dad. Oh really? You know that, which is weird because I didn't have that with him in any other sense. So you're not there yet. I don't no, think. no. I mean, she's uh, no. There hasn't been any gendery stuff like that. I, I'm worried what what's gonna happen once like it really kicks in. Like she's right on the cusp yeah. of teenage dumb, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, thirteen next year, but. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I get real sad, and nostalgic, thinking like. <laughs> I remember I drove by her priest because she's, you know, I was thinking about this too. There's this chapter in a, a book that was, uh, is, it's called Don't Stop the Carnival. Mm. I won't go into the book, but there's this great paragraph I remember reading and it was about how like precious this guy, he was talking about his daughter and how like between the ages of like two and six, there she was just so special to him and his daughter in the book is older now. And I thought that would be the case. I was like, oh, yeah, I get it, because they really are so sweet. You're a little girl, you know. But I still feel that same way, and I'm, I I hope I always will. I can't, I don't know. Like, right. I'm just trying to imagine, like, how I won't love her as much if she's an adult. It's, it's weird, but no. So I don't have any weird gender stuff. But I was going to say, I drove by a preschool. It was like last year. I just happened to have to take a detour past it. And, uh, you know, it was like nobody was there. It was empty, and... And I was just, I just like lost it. I was like, oh my God, because I just remembered her at that age. Yeah. And bringing Aww. her there. And 
Yeah, little girls, man. Mm. Do, you, dad? do you still feel <clears throat> like um, worried about safety? Yes. In certain <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah, but it's just a different. Yeah, just a different on different thing. levels. Different yeah. levels. Yeah. You reminded me of a. Uh, I think we heard it on Freakonomics. Not to plug another podcast, but um, <laughs> I think it was them that had somebody. They cited a study. I don't know if they did the study. By whatever benchmark you ben, you, you figure out if people are happy. They, they found that hap, um, parents who bought a bunch of books on parenting had happier, more successful children by whatever benchmark they used to, dis- to figure that out. But the key words were there were that parents who bought books but it had no them. correlation, to no difference whether you read them or not, <laughs> but oh, something about being the type of person that... Felt the need to go out and get the books showed that you were maybe the like type concerned. of person that was going to be a better parent or whatever. Yeah, I maybe wish I hadn't read half as much. And, <laughs> and even what I read, I didn't take to... Like, it just was like, okay, it's good to know, but we'll see what we get. Did you, did, did you shock any morning nurses with your nudity in the shower? No, I brought my bandage. So <laughs> you read that. I brought my bandage. Oh my god, we had such a great shower. And then boom, she gave birth. The sensual yeah, post-birth so sensual. <laughs> shower. Ew. Now with the world's changing so much, you've got to prepare them for every scenario they're ever going to face. Like, I'll wake up in a cold sweat. Like, I gotta tell her about bears. Like, <laughs> your neck, plain dead. Like, if I, I that find... is like the number one scenario. Yes, thank you. Bears. I feel yeah. All right, well, that, that is, speaking of bears, let's introduce Mr. Matt Kelly. I'm not a bear. <laughs> I'm not a bear. No, That's I didn't mean it. No, I'm just um, hi, everybody. Hello. Uh, um, well, since we haven't talked about adoption tonight, I'll tell you about my two so adopted crazy. kids. Yes. Um, I have two, Audrey that's about to turn 10, and Lucas who's about to turn four, different birth families, and um, born in different states, one in Georgia, one in Oregon. Um, Same agency, Um, and we had, my story is really about the, my introduction to fatherhood. A little side note, Chick, um, when we went to Atlanta, because it was a our birth mother wanted to be induced the very first day she could have the baby. She was sick of being pregnant and wanted to do it. So we were lucky to have that day in mind, and we were going to fly in the day before, and we had met our birth mother just two months before this, so we only had two months to kind of get to know her. Um, but Chick came over to our house while we were in Atlanta and painted a big mural on her bedroom wall. And it was um, a little field, and I remember this little rabbit like with a basket and a little house. So it was green meadow and blue, blue skies and clouds, and it was so, so cute. That wasn't the biggest gift he left, though. He also <laughs> left a Dolly Parton CD in the CD player because that's what he used as inspiration. And our neighbors could tell when Audrey was upset because they would say, oh, I heard Dolly Parton. She was upset because we used it then to soothe her. So that's, that's, that's a little fantastic. plug for chicks. Um, Anyway, so we um, we went to Atlanta, and um, I'm a two-dad family. Um, my partner, now husband, which is weird to say, Todd, and I, <laughs> um, he's five years younger than me, so I was really the driving force by wanting to have kids. I always wanted to. I was adopted, so adoption didn't seem out of the question, and so I really kind of drove the ship on getting us into the adoption agency and doing all that, and... Um, we 
got in the book finally after our own delays of getting our stuff together, um, got in the book and three weeks later got a phone call from a birth mother. And I had heard that there were scams involved that people would call you and say they're pregnant and they're not. I, I don't quite get that, but... So I, being me, was already like so defensive. Like I, she had to prove to me, like she was pregnant. Like I'm already like, okay, okay you're pregnant. This. You're pregnant, right? Okay. So she's like, this watching is watching too much Law and Order, I, and I watch Dateline too much. But she was saying stuff like, oh, this is so great. This feels great, and I'm like, oh, gosh, that's what a scammer would say, you know? And so, I'm, and so, but it. In less than two months, we were in Atlanta um, for the birth of Audrey. Wow. And um, she let us come into the, we had the birth plan out. She let us be in the delivery room with her and her boyfriend at the time, who was the birth father, and let us videotape this happening, which I realize now how inappropriate it was to ask. But um, (laughs) How old was the mother? She was... She was 19. Okay. Oh, wow. And very, um, very selfless, very aware of what she was doing and what she was doing was right for her. And um, it, I was real. I, I, we still keep in touch. Uh, I keep in touch with her, the birth father. They're no longer together. And both of their parents. Um, and we have a really lovely relationship. All of us have an individual different relationship, but it's still very, very wow. lovely. And so... We're there, and we get to kind of be there for Audrey's birth, and I got to cut the cord, and it was very magical, and um, uh, we, so the video, the, the nurses, we were here in Atlanta, and we were a little nervous because, yes, Atlanta's a pretty progressive city. Athens, because of the university, is progressive, but Georgia. we're in Georgia, right. and what are we going to face? And, you know, there is this kind of feeling like you're coming and taking someone's baby away. And so I really stressed on the agency they're working with, please have conversations with the staff there. Um, they can ask anything. They can do, you know, just like, let's have a dialogue because I don't want there to be any, anything weird. And we walk in the delivery room that day. And this young nurse was like, are y'all Matt and Todd? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, that's my brother's name, Matt, and his boyfriend's name's Todd. Y'all thought y'all were going to be hanged, didn't you? And I was like, yeah, I kind of thought we were. And she's like, get over here and hug me. It's just the weirdest kind of like, and it just threw all the walls down. And so it was, we had a great experience after that. And all, all the nurses couldn't have been more supportive. And so, um, we had to stay in Georgia for 10 days because um, we couldn't get clearance from the state until uh, the birth mother had 10 days to change her mind. So that was um, a bit of a stressful time. We really didn't think she was going to change her mind, but knew that things could change in the mid. So we had rented a long, uh, like a week long apartment and we were staying in that and just kind of locked into that. And we were in downtown Atlanta um, and didn't feel like going out and exploring and bringing anything home we were trying to do we had read the books and we were scared <laughs> about everything and um so we just kind of sat there and kind of took turns taking care of her in a stranger's apartment and could not wait to get home and that was probably the most stressful part of the whole process was being away from home for 10 days and just waiting to get in the space you had created at home and like start your life right and so we finally and in a stranger's home and in a stranger's home, and then we had to move because it was a leak, and we thought mildew. So we had to, we were moving, and 
being those, you know, like, ah, mildew, get out of here. <laughs> Cover her, get cellophane. You know, everything was just heightened because you, you're trying to keep them alive. So we've by got... By covering her in cellophane. But I, I poked a hole in it. Um, yes, I didn't say that part. Um, so we decided, we finally got clearance, and we had our ticket booked for the next morning, and we were on a plane. And so we discussed, well, we're going to be on a plane. She's two weeks old. So we got um, a sling, and because it could cover her completely, and we were just going to put her in this little pouch. And so we did that, and she was great on the plane ride home, unlike the children in front of us. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> to which the woman next to us said, y'all are doing great. And we're like, yeah, we know. Um, <laughs> and so we get... We decided to feed her for takeoff and landing so that if her ears pop, she's swallowing already. And so that worked great during takeoff when we were landing, did that. And then we quickly got up and we thought we'd gotten a burp out of her. And, oh. you know, we thought that was okay. Like a burp's a burp. And I thought I heard one. And so we <laughs> keep her in the sling. We walk through. And at this point, um, I go to get the car and Todd and my mom and Audrey are getting the bags together. And I'm texting. I'm like, where are you? Where are you? I can't find. So I come around this corner, and we're outside the parking garage, and there's a huge crowd around Todd holding Audrey in his hand. And we locked eyes, and he said, she's not breathing. <gasps> and I just was stunned. And there was some woman with her finger in Audrey's mouth, just <clears throat> swirling it. like. And Todd's like, get away from her. like And... The fire department came up, police department. As I came up, they came up too. And it was this whole stressful situation. The LAX police department could not have been better, kinder. And they whisked her off in the ambulance. Oh Todd got God. in with her and they said, take your time. They helped me put the bags in the car. She's going to be fine. She's going to be fine. Um, and, you know, no, I, and all I kept thinking was we couldn't keep her alive for two weeks. <sighs> Like, that's all that was, like, <sighs> that's all I was tasked to do. I'll never have a child. Like, nobody will ever give me a second chance. And because the bonding hadn't quite started, so that whole, like, Audrey, it was this baby that I've been trying to take care of was suddenly like, oh, no. And so I get in the car and drive over to the hospital, and they had taken her to the closest hospital at LAX, which was... This horrible, I think it was Manchester. Maybe so. It was, it was the one that um, uh, closed down. Yes, it yes. closed down. Was that Manchester? Yeah, or Westchester. I, or Westchester, Westchester. Maybe that's what yeah, it was. Closed down. Um, yeah, that's the one. Right that, near, right around that time, like not long after. Not that, long it after. Down. Maybe it was yeah. my letter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but who's the singer with Kim Kardashian? Uh, his mom, Kanye. Kanye's mom died in that hospital. That was the hospital she. But that was, this was before. So, and as a new parent, this is what I kind of, having a second child, I felt a lot more better about. You don't know what you can ask for and what you can demand and what you can expect of other people with your child. You just kind of trust them. Right. And there was an emergency room nurse trying to put an IV in her. And I was doing that. I was over, <gasps> every time she'd miss and this two-week-old baby, I could just Aww. see, and she's missing and missing and missing. And she goes, you're not making it any better to me. Oh, and bitch. just this whole, the stress of this all, oh, they send us to Miller. 
because I'm like, I think she's okay. Like, she's breathing. That's that was the concern. I think yeah. she was breathing, and um, but they're like, we can't let a two week old baby go home. We have called a, a ambulance from Miller's Children's Hospital in Long Beach, and I said, well. We'd like to go to Cedars. He goes, well, good luck getting a bed there. And I was like, oh, okay. And again, it's this whole, you just take what you get. Those and, and there's nobody telling you, ask for this, ask for this. And so I ride in this $1,800 ambulance to Miller's Children's um, with a staff of four. And we get there and they put her in intensive care just to watch her. And we're there for four nights. Ooh. Oh. And so we're still not home, and wow. we, we took turns. Uh, only one of us could sleep in the hospital, just one parent. It wasn't because we were a same-sex couple or anything, but one parent could stay in the hospital room. And, so the other slept in the back of the car um, in the parking lot, which was actually more comfortable than the chair in the bed. So <laughs> it's just this um, weird thing, and we, you know, we, we were there. We started to get the idea she's fine. I don't think there was any, you know, she's still responsive. Hopefully there's no damage that we don't see. And then it just came back that she has reflux. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to put her on medicine. And by that point, I'd had enough with some of the, um, just the experience. And I was like, no, we're going to go to our pediatrician. We'll deal with it there. And um, so we, she was fine. We were able to take her home and never have had any. I mean, she's had a sensitive stomach ever since then, but... Then our, so by the time we got home two and a half weeks after she was born, we finally started our life and she's, um, she's been a joy ever since, but it was just the, the introduction to parenthood and trying to prepare for everything. And then that, and then, you know, now when we go to the doctor or anywhere and they want to, like a dentist, they want to x-ray. I'm like, no, you don't need to x-ray every six months. You know, you get to figure out what, what you can say no to. Yeah. As opposed to just being like, okay, right. <laughs> what? What was? Had, so she really had stopped breathing. She well, so I what I did miss to tell you was that Todd had put her in the car. He was putting her in the car, um, and when he sat her in the car, she kind of hiccuped and started turning blue. And he was like on the second floor in a garage. And my mom's a, a retired nurse, but he's like, she's not breathing. She's not breathing. And. He was like, I am in the middle of a parking garage with a baby that's not breathing. I'm going to get somewhere where I can be found. Mm -hmm. And so he started screaming. So I call 911, call 911. And that's why he ran downstairs and outside so he could get to with her fast. Baby. With right. her fast. And he was hitting her in the back. So it probably right away, right. she started breathing again. But right. in that chaos, it was hard to tell. Right. I wonder right. if that woman sticking her finger down her throat was actually doing a good thing. Like, oh, I don't. It to clear. seemed crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, or like move her tongue. Right. I, I get what she was trying to do. It was just a weird thing to kind to of come walk up, up on, on yeah. something yeah. like that. And well, with um, with reflux, is that something they say can happen with an infant? Like they can stop breathing or I something? Think, well, I've never get stop breathing, but I've heard that reflux is very common, especially in babies that uh, aren't breastfed. Maybe, Breastfeeding. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say they aren't carried to fullest term and if she's oh, early that possibly way. but it, I think we were on formula too and the solution was to switch to the thicker added rice formula and it stopped she'd never spit up mm. after that um, wow so mm. it was god like the and then having to call everybody in Atlanta and say oh we're in the hospital oh, like yeah. thanks for this trust you gave us yeah. but um, one thing happened and they were they were super supportive and have always been supportive. But um, 
So it was a it was a crazy introduction to parenthood. Wow. Oh, don't oh. do it, everybody. Don't do it. <laughs> don't have don't it. Don't do it. Get Just out. Well, it's burp them. Get out. Burp them. Chick and I have been talking about fostering, although we've been talking about fostering an older child, yeah. like trying to bring like a gay or trans child who has been, you know, perhaps not wanted because they are gay or trans. Although I, I, I'm also sort of open to the idea of just, uh, I mean, I, I, I tend to get very attached to things, so uh, this scares the hell out of me, but <laughs> being the person who maybe can be the one-week pit stop or the 48 mm-hmm. hours until the relative gets here or whatever. like right. Respite care is what I was trying care. to think of the term for that. You're providing respite care. Yeah. And one of the things you can also do in that role is like helping foster families. Like if the parents have like a family emergency and they need to go to Colorado to help a, you know, like a relative or something, you can bring your foster child to someone who's already been certified as a respite care mm-hmm. worker uh-huh. and stay there for the weekend, which might be less stressful, stressful than being for the child going somewhere else. Happening. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I remember um, I saw, um, I think it was a Lisa Ling special or something. She had gone to interview this woman who did a lot of respite care with a lot of infants and, mm-hmm. um, and, and saying to the woman, like, I don't know how you can do this. Like, how can you put yourself in this position of bonding with and then letting go of over and over again? Just, they would have, you know four or five kids a year or sometimes more like they just they were like getting a lot of and the woman said I was a foster kid and I was scared a lot and if I can you know ease the fear of a kid until they're you know get to wherever they're supposed to go next then that's so much bigger than my grief in losing them and I just thought wow that's a question for you because Andrew was saying that he feels like he has to do this thing because he adopted a kid. But as mm. a kid who was adopted, who adopted, do you, what's your feeling about, you have both sides of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do feel, I do know what he means by that. I mean, there's this kind of, um, you want them to always feel loved and not question any of that. And it's just natural for them to question why. Right. And if the birth mother has kids afterwards and keeps them, then there's that why. And there's a lot of whys. There's a yeah. lot of whys. And you just... Yeah, and with a 19-year-old mother, it's likely that she will sure, have right. a baby when yeah. she's ready. Right. right. And then it's her guilt, and you communicate with her about that. And, and how are you talking to Audrey about that? And it, there's just... You just over-communicate. As <laughs> you really do. And that's... Yeah. And like you were even saying that, too, with George, that you just keep saying stuff over and mm-hmm. over. And just... It's, it's over-sharing and over-communicating because... And as a, when we were going through the adoption, I was really surprised at all of the, the couples that were there who couldn't have children of their own, uh, who were really scared of the idea of adoption. And they would be like, well, I just, the baby's going to find their parent one day. What if they want to, you know, they want that mother more than me? And I just kept thinking, that doesn't even, unless you're just in a really broken home where you're searching for something. Yeah. But you're, it's not always like that, and you just I, you just kind of forget. I mean, yeah, you don't maybe look like somebody necessarily, but that's my mom and my dad, right. you know, mm-hmm. and that's what I know, and I don't know if I want to start this over here. Well, if that's I want to the nature-nurture thing too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so if you take that fear out, and I've seen people who really are like, you know, back in my day when I was adopted, nobody would say it. Nobody right. would, you would right. hide it. 
Right. Really? And you wouldn't tell your kids right. until now, they were yeah, older. Open adoption is, is sort of the way of... To do of, it. Of, yeah. And, and the experts, like, used to tell parents that it was okay, if, if not even encouraged, to, like, keep it a secret from the child. And, and then one day the child is hits some age that the parent says... Sit down. Yes, Sit down. Right. We have something to that tell you. That seems or very they discovered on their own accidentally. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. now you, and, I've been lying to my And that tells the child that it's a shameful secret that there's there's we had good reason to keep it from you because right. there's a good reason to to hide that shame or something. But right. now everybody I think agrees that when we talk, there's you find ways to talk about it at a right. very young age, and then yep. you evolve those ways of talking about it so that yeah. it's never a secret. It's always just their story. That's how my brother told me. He's like, you're adopted. I was like, Mom, that's <laughs> just I'm adopted. She was like, sit down. I was like, uh. Oh, oh my God. God. Yeah. Going away. <laughs> <laughs> you always want that, that bratty trouble. sibling who tells you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was the only redhead, so Ian was constantly <laughs> telling me that if, if, good luck, good thing I was tall. Otherwise, I would have totally been the adopted right. one of the family. So, so my brother was not one. adopted? My, no, my dad had kids prior to and they were sort of their half siblings Got but it. it does when you wait then suddenly you have this fantasy fairy tale of what it, what it's like on the other side and you're like i i want to find them and see and then you find them and you're like what am i doing i'm totally content so wow you guys this was amazing. This is amazing. This is See, like men can talk, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, we could talk. Yeah. You men can talk. You don't need to talk. You guys made me feel. Gave me all the feels. Whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I had total like. I mean, I wanted to cry. I wanted to cry. I got Mary just pointing at oh, everyone. Andrew, Andrew almost made me cry. Mike almost made me cry. <laughs> uh, I got total goosebumps. The timing was crazy. The fact yeah. that that email yes. came in last yeah. night. And I didn't I know, know what your ending Knowing was going to be. Yeah. We were all I didn't either too anxious. <laughs> yeah. Did Matt not make you cry? Boy. No, so he didn't hair. make me cry. Wow. <laughs> he did make me feel things. All right, well, let's go around <laughs> the room and tell people where they can find us. You Shameless sh- plug? Shows anything? you want to plug? Twitter uh, Twitters, anything? Um, where we can see you on the TV or anything like that? Or? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was just on Nobodies on TV Land. It's a great show. It's a fun show. Totally. Um, oh, and I I did a, a movie that's going to premiere at the Film Invasion LA, which is a little film festival in the Valley, uh, that Ted Michaels, um, a friend and also another alumni, Groundlings Theater alumni, wrote and directed. Uh it's called Tangoborn. It's called Tangoborn <laughs> Menclenty. It's about a, a an idiot a manufactured human that's sent to Earth to save it to save to save the planet. It's, it's actually like a, amazing timing that it's coming out right now. It's like a Jesus, story. don't you think? Because with the political yes, yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of political, and stuff then a lot of other groundlings in it too. There are a lot of other groundlings. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's my plug. June fourth. June 4th. Okay. June 4th. Oh, we do, Sunday. This will come out June so 1st. Why don't you so. take your father to go see Tango Born McClenty for Father's Day? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do it. Do it, for, people. Or your kid. Yeah. Well, maybe not your kid. Yeah. You should probably be over Because this is 16. Jordan. Jordan's in underwear or something. Yeah, Jordan. Jordan and I. Jordan Black and I are in underwear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe not your little kid. <laughs> not your small child. Yeah. All Jason? Right. 
I'll do a two-parter. The, the, the shameless part is just, I'll give you my Twitter handle is Jason Allen PhD, mm-hmm. and it's right. Jason Allen, A-L-L-E-N, mm-hmm. and that's a sarcastic PhD, not an, an earned <laughs> one. <laughs> I gave it to myself. Uh, so follow me on Twitter, and I'll tell you what I'm writing next. Um, but also f- to hit me on Twitter, if, and if anybody's considering getting into or already into the foster adoption process, always happy to tell new foster adoptive parents like what I learned because I got a lot of experience out of navigating the system and I can't recommend more if you're going to do it do it through an agency and if you're going to do it do it through my agency they were fantastic and they're the ones that everybody goes to after they've had a bad experience somewhere else extraordinary families and if you're in the LGBTQ community they win awards from human rights campaign for their work so highly recommended awesome thank you Mike I got nothing Come on! I'm not performing or doing. I got no Twitter, no show. It's all good. Make that change. I'm happy without. Yeah, I don't need it. His domain right now, and I'll sell it to you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Matt Kelly. Um, MattKelly.net, K-E-L-L-E-Y. Mr. Matt Kelly on Twitter, and you can see me this summer. Yelling at my kids at the Americana. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great place it's to yell great, at them. The, the yeah. noise yeah. is there so you don't hear it. <laughs> also, uh, for industry people, Matt does incredible reels. Demo reels, yeah. Yeah. Oh, ah, cool. Voiceover work and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So just totes. Totes, my good. I am not a father, so I've spoken very little, but my name is Colleen Smee on <laughs> Twitter. C O L L E N S M I. I'm at Mary Jo LA. <clears throat> Ooh. I'm at Mary Jo LA on Twitter and Mary Jo Smith on Facebook. Ian is at Ian Screams. Yeah. And Chick is at T Chick Photo. And we are MyFirstTimePodcast.net where you'll see photographs, uh, bios, and links uh, to other chapters. Links to other chapters. And then you can also watch us on or see us on Facebook where you see all that fun stuff too. Yeah. And uh, we will put up um, a link to uh, Extraordinary Family. And burn treatments. And burn treatments. We made we'll, notes about it. Yes, yes. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll put some kind of link about like what to do if somebody gets burned. Oh, That's a good idea. No mayonnaise. Let's stop. No mayonnaise and butter. Hashtag no mayonnaise. Hashtag no mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day.